1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Work Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open y'all, we are telling it all. Work Stories season six is here. Welcome back and happy new year. Is it too late in the month to still be saying that? I'm not sure, but anyway, it's definitely a new year for Work Stories because we've got new guests, we've got new stories and we've got new possibilities of what we can do together to spread awareness about the trials of working as black, brown and women of color. Okay, I wanted to start off this season with a guest and a topic that is perfect for the spirit and excitement of January. When we're thinking about new beginnings, we have got to be thinking about boundary setting and what it means for our success in all aspects of life. Success meaning happiness. Our next guest is a leader of her company, and she knows all too well about the importance around setting boundaries, as well as the guilt that can come from them. So let's talk to her.
0: My name is Ginny Saraswati. I am the founder and CEO of Ginny Media. I am Sri Lankan born, Australian raised, now living in New York City, female who is engaged to a beautiful lady named uh, Aaliyah. So um, I think you would describe me as uh, bubbly, kind of like a mimosa. There's a yes. bit of champagne in there, a bit of OJ, you know, for nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I love coffee. So, and and I think another one of my traits is I can tend to talk a lot, which I think bodes well for my profession.
1: Yes. I love it. I love it. I mean, I think this place platform is kind of for only people who talk a lot. And if you don't naturally talk a lot when you come on this show, I need you to channel it. Like <laughs> tell me everything that goes under your head. Oh my gosh. Okay. So podcast queen, that's what we're just going to call you. <laughs> Tell us about your career journey. Like, how did you end up running a media
0: company? Was that like the plan? (laughs) Never the plan, Joy, as with a lot of things in my life. You never intend these things, at least not consciously anyway, maybe subconsciously there was something brewing within me, but I went the traditional route that a lot of people do of nine to five work. It wasn't my last full-time job, but it was my last corporate job, which I resigned from in 2011. I quickly realized nine to five wasn't for me. It can be for some people. And I think that it's not, it's not me like dissing the nine to five, you know, work lifestyle, but my experience of nine to five, at least in corporate media, Australia was that it was never nine to five. It was Mm -hmm. seven to eight or 7am to 9am or 7am to X PM, um, Mm. but you were never paid for certain hours. And for me, I just found that completely exhausting. And I'm like, there has to be another way that suits for me. So after I left my corporate job, I kind of did a few gigs. Like I worked at a deli, I worked at a trampoline park, and then I worked in airplane construction, all very weird and like wide variety of professions. I do understand when I say that people either get excited or alarmed, (laughs) but um, (laughs) I just was exploring different things to be like, okay, what suits me? And what I liked about the shift work that I was doing was I clocked on and clocked off. I didn't take any work home with me. And I'm like, oh, this kind of works for me because I can actually focus on my passions, which was audio media. So my background actually is in radio. I hosted a FM radio show for 10 years off and off in Australia on a station called Joy. Funnily enough, See that moment. Oh See what my I did there. Uh, <laughs> this was meant to be. Exactly, it's meant to be in this conversation. <laughs> meant to be brought up in this conversation. And then, as a consequence of being a radio host, all of our episodes that we do, or the shows that we do on radio, would be turned into podcasts. So that's how I became a podcaster by accident. And then when I started consciously podcasting, I'm like, okay, podcasting, I see the trend. I see that people are gravitating towards it because it is like on-demand radio. Mm -hmm. So I saw the autonomy it offered audiences. So I started my own podcast and then by accident, I ended up running a media company, you know, Eight years later, uh 27 people around the world and here in New York City.
1: Wow. Very impressive. I feel like entrepreneurship is definitely the wave right now. And you see people creating things or you know, they they did it years ago, but you have employees,
0: lots of employees. That's like the next level. It elicits a lot of pride and fear in me. Cause <laughs> not only are you embarking on that crazy journey of entrepreneurship where you know the buck stops with you, but now you are also responsible for other people's rent, food, yes. school fees. And it, it can be quite scary, but I don't have kids yet, but I feel like a mother sometimes <laughs> to those 27 employees. <laughs> right.
1: And the pressure of like their survival in a yeah. way, maybe yeah. not as much as a child, but
0: maybe, yeah. maybe if you have like a teenager like that. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I mean, if I had 27 teenagers, Joy, maybe there wouldn't be much joy in my life. <laughs> at the moment, we're good. We're good.
1: <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So you're the boss, and I would imagine that it's a little harder to set boundaries and try to maintain some type of balance. And I would imagine it can be hard to not want to give everything to your company and to all these teenagers. Okay, no, I'm not calling your workers teenagers, but <laughs> all of your, your professional children, your baby, you know, not wanting to pour everything into it and we know that this is an issue for women in general and definitely women of color so can you talk to us a little bit about that and you know how
0: do you manage it I love this question about boundaries and the concept of balance joy because when I think of balance I think of someone balancing on this fulcrum with their core like sucked in trying not (laughs) to like topple over and juggling horrible juggler on a flat surface, yet alone on a fulcrum. Like it's just, it just feels like just thinking about balance is exhausting. So I more think about it as what needs the attention at the time. I'm all about harmony. What do I need to do in this moment? How do I need to show up? What do I need to show up for in terms of what's going to be most harmonious for me? And sometimes your personal life requires more attention. Sometimes your business life Uh, requires more attention it really does fluctuate but it's what is within you that feels harmonious in that moment and how you're going to approach that that is where the quote-unquote harmony or if you want to substitute for the word balance is achieved okay I gotta use harmony now yeah (laughs) and, and I think boundaries is a big part of that because you know to your point as a woman of color I inherited a lot of my beliefs my conditioning from my mother who inherited it from her mother And my grandmother, when she had her first child, was like 14 or 15 years old. She's very young. But in Sri Lanka, that was the norm. Mm -hmm. So what she grew up with, my grandmother, was that, you know, if she needed to know how to get a coffee stain off a shirt, well, she'd ask about it to other people. And typically those other people were women, right? Mm -hmm. Women really thrive in, in community because that's the only way they've known how to survive, like lent on each other while the men were traditionally out at work. So what women have learned, what we've inherited and in practice is that the only way to get things done is to keep pushing ourselves, you know, do all the things, give it our best. And especially women of color, because in some cases for us, there was no plan B, like the buck stopped with us. We were the ones that, you know, if something was wrong, it had to be on us to take our kid to the doctor. How do we figure this out? Like we figured it out in community. And, That conditioning for me has been something that I'm continually trying to outgrow Mm -hmm. because it comes up quite a lot for me, especially in business. And I think women of color, especially because of the way that we were raised, our history, there's a lot more navigation when it comes to the conditioning that we've had to do it all, if that makes sense.
1: Yep. And then you get the stories of the people who have been doing it all long before you. Exactly. And then you're like, well, your great grandmother walked. How many? You're like, I get that. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. I have to- exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, I don't want to. And I don't have to either. Exactly. exactly. There was this meme that I shared probably a year or so ago. And it was like your ancestor in heaven looking down on you, wondering why you're always crying, like (laughs) why you're anxious (laughs) for everything, why you cry about little stuff. And it was kind of like the disappointment. I mean, it was it was a joke. Right. But like there is some truth and there could be possible disappointment, even from our living relatives of like, why aren't you pushing yourself? Why are you asking for help? Like we don't even we don't do that.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think, like, this is the thing where I find that hilarious that you shared that meme because I have seen a variation of that meme. Uh But especially in brown families, like my family, the the core wound in brown culture is, oh, but what will they think, right? Now, Mm -hmm. my grandmother did not have social media back then. Mm -hmm. God forbid she had social media and had to know exactly what everybody was thinking at the time. That's an added thing that she was saved from, I think, at the time. But I think... To your point, like what our ancestors gone through and they have gone through things to get us to where we are today and there is room for acknowledgement of that and respect for that. But there are new battles and beasts that we face that they didn't and there will be more battles and beasts that future generations will face that we don't. So it's all in context and it's all relative. But to your point, like the whole, oh, well, we didn't have this back in our day. It was this, we did it all ourselves. It's kind of worn like a badge of honour. Right. It's like we mm-hmm. did this all by ourselves. And then the other part of it is, and look how exhausted you were. Yeah. Look how resentful you were. Like that's the conversation that we're having now.
1: <laughs> yeah. So then how do you balance almost this sense of duty and how do you balance that with like owning a company that requires you to not do it all yourself? Like how do you balance those two worlds?
0: I think for me, I had a point in my life, um, Joy, this was just before 2020 where I was getting migraines on the monthly and it wasn't anything to do with hormones. You know, I went to doctors. They're like, oh, it's just your hormones. I'm like, but it's not coming around that time. Another doctor said, oh, it's probably your eyesight. When I got my eyes checked, my eyes are fine. Thank God. I just kept getting these reoccurring health symptoms that seemed really chronic, like migraines to the point where I couldn't get out of bed, no matter how much I slept. And I'd get out of bed finally at like 7pm at night, I'd have my first meal. And this would happen at least once a month. And I'm like, what is going on? And then there were other symptoms like, you know, I wasn't drinking enough water. So I was dehydrated. I was eating very poorly. So I was neglecting my body because I was in that mode of, I've got to do it all, got to be the person who's there all the time, who shows up for everybody. So those are things that I had again inherited, i had seen, and that was what I was taught to do in situations like that. So Mm -hmm. I think firstly, boundaries start with you. And people often feel boundaries are ultimatums, which they're not. It's really just something that you set for yourself based on what you need. If you need an extra hour's sleep, then you know, responding to texts at 7 a.m. in the morning or 7 p.m. at night may not be what you need to do to have that kind of sleep. So there are little things that it's really about checking in with yourself and being more intentional with how you're feeling. That, that's the process of where boundaries start. Okay, so first of all, I can
1: tell you're in therapy because you fully understand what a boundary is. <laughs> that might sound crazy, but what I'm learning is that people think that boundaries are what you put on other people and they don't realize boundaries are between you and you. They're your rules. So I I love what you were saying that it really, it starts with you. And I think that's what people miss about it and want to kind of give other people responsibility for how and why we do things because that's easier than
0: actually looking in the mirror. (laughs) Exactly. It's it's true. And I think that the way that we've been taught, especially in my culture too, like if you say no to something or if you appear to not be helpful or not be the better person or not be the generous person, what will they think? What will that mean? So that guilt already comes with the territory, but actually like what you said, looking within to be like, okay, what do I need? How can I set this boundary with me? If I say to someone, hey, I'm not taking calls after 7pm, and say my sister is to call me at 7.05 p.m. and I pick up her call and I'm pissed. Mm-hmm. My sister doesn't know I have that boundary. I may have communicated that to her. She may have forgotten. She may have not forgotten and called me. But if I didn't pick up the call, I am sticking to my boundary. Yeah. And um, my sister knows if it's an emergency, she will call me and text me going, hey, I need you to call me. It's an emergency. And I've Outline what those emergencies mean. It's not about what pasta sauce to use with, you know, ravioli. That's not an emergency. (laughs) emergency. Uh, Google can help with that far better than I can. But things like that, I think it's boundaries are between you and you. Like it sounds easier said than done because we do come up against guilt. And that's the Mm -hmm. hardest part to shake off when it comes to boundary setting.
1: Yeah. So then you take, you know, we're trying, we're making that effort, but Mm -hmm. then we're in the workplace and Women of color tend to have more pressure on us for being women, for being of different cultures and religions and nuances that corporations and U.S. work cultures is white, white run, white determined standards are made by white folks. And so we don't fit in there anyway. And so we're already working at a deficit from like day one of the job. And so then particularly when you're in a leadership role and you have elevated responsibility, you might be getting paid more. So there's more expected of you. I think people get really like choked up in that how do you transition from that? Like, How can the average person listening go from, I want to have boundaries, maybe I've had them at a time, but I also feel pressure to like outperform everybody,
0: so can I even maintain them? Boundary setting sometimes can feel a little seasonal. It can be like, well, I'm in this responsibility now. Does the boundary game change for me? Mm-hmm. When you think about, for someone with boundaries, regardless of where they are at in their life, as I said before, the first boundary begins with themselves, but- The other part of it is a person with clear boundaries, they typically show up energized. They're very present. They're intentional. They're that person that people naturally gravitate towards, right? People do gravitate towards the most energized people in the room. That's just fact, right? It's like a moth to a flame. Mm -hmm. And people who are drained or draining – you you may find draining, you might find they have a lack of boundaries. They're like, oh gosh, I'm going to be late to this because I've got to do this for my such and such. I've got to do this. You see that kind of, I'm going to call it martyr language come up a lot, Mm -hmm. but if you're in a different kind of level in your employment structure, if you're a C-suite employee, or if you're just a, a junior or middle level employee, there are different levels of responsibilities and I get that. And that comes with its own pressures. It's interesting as a boss too, because when my team go on leave, I do not contact them unless they give me permission to. I do believe rest is a part of a professional strategy. I honestly feel the most rested workforce is the best workforce. Mm -hmm. If you are setting, for example, if you're going on vacation and you put an out-of-office reply setting on your email, and then (laughs) you're putting that email in and then say your boss emails you going, hey, I know you're out of office, but can you do this for me quickly? If you respond to that, you've already broken that boundary that you've set. And then it tells your boss, hey, I can keep emailing. Not that they would think that immediately, but people watch what you do rather than listen to what you say. So I'm saying I'm out of office, but I'm behaving like I'm not out of office. So the response is to my behavior rather than to my words. So when you are going out of office, communicate, hey, I'm not going to be contactable. If it's an emergent thing about this particular issue, list what's actually emergent. If nothing on that list... (laughs) Comes up and that it's, if, if something comes up for you that's not on that list or what you wouldn't consider to be emergent that you can't handle until you get back, then it's not emergent. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? It really isn't. And I think that's a conversation that needs to ha- be had with bosses. And remember, it is a conversation. It's not a confrontation. And bosses, typically, they're just trying to do their thing. If, if I'm being empathetic here, they're trying to do their thing. They're trying to move things forward. But typically, a well-intended boss will respect your boundary if they know you're on top of it and you've set those expectations.
1: Kind of reminded me of how people raise their kids. Um, we use our inside voices. So then when the kid's yelling, they just like ignore them. Like you just keep doing the same thing over and over again to enforce the rules. Um, and I, and I guess when we're putting it to other people, then it becomes a rule, right? Like my boundary that I have to maintain is I'm not going to answer emails while I'm on vacation. And then my rule for other people, you know, could be uh, something slightly different that I might ask that you not even contact me. Don't even tip me. (laughs) (laughs) don't tip me to like break my own boundary or you know there's a lot of examples but it almost feels like raising the people in your work life to understand who you are what your values are and respect the way that
0: you need to work to best do your job exactly and the the great thing too is as a business owner too if you are a c-suite level executive if you run a business if you're a ceo like when i'm out of office the one boundary i have is i understand that there may be things that are emergent and they need to come to me while I'm away. I've accepted that as the way that I do business. However, I also have boundaries in place as to what those things are. So there's one point of contact, which is my assistant Courtney. If there's anything anybody is unsure of, they will reach out to her while I'm away. And Courtney and I have this traffic light system, right? If anything's green, That she feels is, okay, this is green. This can wait till when Ginny gets back. If it's Amber, she's not sure. She'll raise it with me. If it's red, or if she believes it to be red, she'll raise it with me. I only get one message a day from Courtney saying, Ginny, this has come up. What would you like to do? And then... I will only have to check out for five minutes of my vacation time, respond to her, and then life goes on. Sometimes you need to have those boundaries in place for certain ways of working in certain companies as well, which I get. But again, there needs to be a boundary setting structure there as well for you.
1: Maybe the problem why some people have trouble setting boundaries is there's not the proper systems in place in their workplaces to get those needs met, get those questions answered. Because if one person holds the key to everything... That makes me nervous. <laughs> 100%. Because what if you're on vacation and you, you fall out the boat and we never see you again and you hold the yes, no, the passwords, the keys to the building, all of the intel. It seems like that's just not a good business model in general. But I think that a lot of places, particularly small businesses and, and organizations operate where like one person can answer this. That's it.
0: Exactly. Or one person, we just need their guidance or an okay or a heads Mm -hmm. up. Sometimes it is the case where it is just one person who holds the keys to everything. Mm -hmm. And in that case, I would suggest you really look at if you want to be (laughs) a part of that organization, because that can get quite power over culture, if that makes sense. Like, you feel like every this one person has control over everything. And that can feel quite scary rather than collaborative or any in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. But in certain cases, I think it's a perceived power as opposed to an actual power. Mm -hmm. That it's on that leader or that business owner to, to convey, hey, I'm gonna be away, but if you need things, please do contact Courtney or whoever it might be. I barely get messages from Courtney when I'm away. It's when she's unsure if this is what is needed to be done. But I think to your point, yes, if there is an organization where someone holds all the power, I would strongly recommend you look at how that structure is worked. And there's there's probably putting processes in place that actually help everybody thrive and not just one person.
1: <laughs> right, right. And then, you know, of course there's examples like if you're closing a big deal, yeah, I'm sure the CEO needs to <laughs> make the final call. Exactly. Yes, yeah, that makes sense. And if something comes up with that deal while I'm on this week vacation, Yes, I wanna know about that. But also, exactly. just the day to day things like autonomy is a big thing that people ask for in the workplace. But sometimes I wonder if people actually got more autonomy. Can some of these lower level issues be solved without interrupting, you know, Bobby's vacation <laughs> to exactly. ask the question? And I think that trust factor, right? The reason people don't have autonomy. Is because there's a lack of trust in the institution. And I think that works on the other side where it's like, okay, I'm the employee of this place and I want to set boundaries, but I'm afraid to because I don't trust my coworkers, my team, my leadership to
0: honor those and to not punish me for setting them. I think especially since, you know, the remote work culture has come in after 2020, a lot of employers and employees really have been kind of setting demands of what they expect a work situation to look like. And autonomy is one of those things that can conversations that have come up really um, loudly since 2020 as well. And I think the breakdown of trust, what I found too is if, for example, there is a breakdown on trust on one side, typically that is felt on the other side as well. So how can you repair that trust? What's actually happening? And it does require bravery. And sometimes, you know, the relationship or the trust is too far gone for that to be reparable. But sometimes, you know, having that conversation, it can be a game changer. It's like, listen, I just want you to trust that I'm going to be at home doing my work and getting stuff done. These hourly checkups on what am I doing? What am I doing? It makes me feel like I'm under surveillance, right? Employees do not work well when they feel like they're under surveillance. (laughs) Honestly, they don't, nobody does like, and I think the other part to look at in a corporate structure is if a corporation believes that an employee can only get work done when they're on site at a workplace, there is a bigger problem going on there. Like Mm -hmm. that with me, I mean, I've learned very quickly with my team as well. I trust my team implicitly until they give me a reason not to. Mm -hmm. And I think if you start with that trust, you will quickly see who people are that's just always been my belief. And I think that's, that's worked for me so far. And I've, I've seen employees thrive with that level of freedom and trust I give them. Mm-hmm. And I've also seen employees say, actually, this, no. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things, I think it, 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 both sides do need to work at that. But it starts with the evaluation of how far the trust has eroded. And
1: I love what you said before, you were like, it's brave to set these boundaries can you talk to me about a time you didn't feel so brave to set a boundary? Like you really struggled and you were like,
0: I can't. (laughs) In my last corporate job, I I talk about this experience a lot. At that time, you know, my, my mom uh, started getting early stages of Alzheimer's. I was in between moving houses. So I was sleeping on my sister's couch. Um, The corporate job I had, I didn't like my uh, reporting manager. I thought he was I, I didn't like the corporate structure. I thought my reporting manager wasn't very well versed in managing people with empathy. Like there were, there was a lot going on and it was a time where I felt the pressure of doing everything for everyone. Right. And it was a time in my life that all the cultural expectations of me as a daughter, as a sister, as a partner, as an employee, it just created this perfect storm of burnout really for me. And I think When I was going through that, I felt like I had to work harder because I was the only person of color on the team. I felt like I had to do better because again, that's the only way I can excel in this environment. But I just felt resentment every single day, waking up thinking I've got to go to work. And I was clocking in at 8.30 and I was clocking out at 10pm at night. And I remember I am just waking up every day, dreading the day. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to Saturday morning, where I get to sleep in, where I spend the whole weekend in my pajamas watching the o c on my d v d s back then <laughs> and and, and as if life could get more depressing right I'm Negative, watching yeah, right <laughs> and then I wake up Monday morning and do it all over again. I remember like after a year at that job which I resigned. I thought to myself, I don't want to wake up thinking, oh, God, I've got to go to work because what people don't realize, and this comes with gift of time and, and, you know, working through things for a long period of time, is that if you're waking up living for the weekend, right, that means there's only 100 days in a year where you actually feel present, happy and alive. That means two thirds of your year, you're not feeling present, happy or alive. And you times that out over 10 years. That's not a way of living. Right. And that's what a lot of people, unfortunately, are going through at the moment with work.
1: That is really sad. A hundred days. Yeah. And, you know, life is so short, which is what everyone always says. And we have reminders of that every single second. And it just seems a shame to waste that time somewhere where you're not happy but also sometimes in this work culture it seems inevitable I yeah. I don't want to say that like I think I'm going to find the solution for myself yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> no because I'm just making that pledge to myself clearly I'm yeah. very dedicated to these issues having this whole show yeah well, what about everybody else is this just going to be their experience like I worked and it
0: sucked and then I died yeah <laughs> Exactly. And that, when you say that too, Joy, like it is really sad. The bigger conversation here, which, which is why I appreciate this podcast so much is it's the people in the positions of leadership that need to start having these conversations. Like nowadays you see talent jumping from company to company because the conditions are better. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's the talent that makes your company thrive, right? Your clients come to you for your talent, your services, whatever you think, like your talent really is the glue. And I think, you know, leadership, the conversations about how do we create a workforce that's not rooted in power over and this is the only way we do things. There are ways of doing things and those ways have worked for a period of time, but now we've seen there's other ways of working as well. So how can we put that in to make workforces and ultimately people happier? Yeah,
1: what advice do you have for people listening who are struggling, balancing their workload with all of their other <laughs> values in life? And what do we need to be doing now to make sure that this podcast doesn't have to exist
0: 10 years from now? Oh, that's a great, great question. Um, it makes me sad too that the podcast won't exist in 10 years from now.
1: Think- <laughs> I don't want it to. I don't, if I could change everything quickly, I wouldn't want it to exist next year.
0: No, I I appreciate that because ultimately if women knew women, especially and women of color, especially if we knew how to set boundaries perfectly, then this wouldn't be an issue, right? We wouldn't need to be talking about it, but the fact that we are talking about it shows the progress. I think first and foremost, you know, there's all this talk about self-care and sometimes I look at self-care as as someone who, who really loves practicing self-care. Like I'm always exploring new ways of self-care. I'm thinking, Oh God, this looks like a lot of work. And you're like, I don't want to self-care if there's 10 steps that I need to do. I can barely walk 10 steps in the morning and you want me to do 10 steps before 7am. Like no, right. Um, right, A 10 step skincare routine. No, thank you. But I think for me, like, it's just, How you start your day, it doesn't have to be a 10-step morning routine. I used to have one of those. It was great for a period of time. Now, with the fact that my life and business and values have changed and grown, it's changed as well. But I think, honestly, just taking that time for you, whether it is the morning, whether it is an hour on the way home to commute, just sitting with yourself and pausing. That bravery that we just talked about in this podcast, that daring to be courageous, that daring starts with daring to pause. So pausing about yourself, reflecting on your day, how you feel, what you need. That's going to be the first step for you to decide, okay, how am I going to take the next step to really – nurture my self-care to really be showing up the way that I can show up in this moment and that sounds really really easier said than done but I honestly think those moments of pausing I think us as a society we only pause once a year and that's around December 28th to January 1st where we Mm -hmm. think about what we want to achieve for the new year it's Mm -hmm. not rooted in reflection sometimes Um, so I think those daily moments of pausing that courage you're practicing courage every day if you Dare to pause and be like, I'm just going to take these 10 minutes for myself, really check in, call it a meditation, call it what you want. But that's where it starts, really. That's where you can really tune into your engine and what's going on.
1: I love that. Definitely more pausing. And just to be like, do I even like this? Exactly.
0: (laughs) Ask yourself. And those questions will only come to you if you pause. Mm -hmm. Right. Because there will be times where you'll feel frustrated and you might know intellectually this is frustrating. But actually taking the time to be like, do I like this? Do I want to continue doing this? You won't ask yourself those questions in those moments of emotive frustration. You just won't. Yeah. But when you pause, you will. You'll yeah. actually practice a little bit of discernment to be like, actually, I, really, I was feeling this way yesterday and I don't like it still. It's Friday,
1: yeah. still 2025,
0: like it. and I still hate it. Like,
1: <laughs> you know, we need to do that definitely more with a lot of things, like not even just work. I'm like, you need to look at your partner and be like, do I like you? Yeah, Let me pause with that. Do I like eating this food every day? Do I actually (laughs) like going to the gym? I don't know, you know, just like, and they're little things. Some are little, some are huge. But it's just like reassessing and constantly being open to changing your mind and, and being open to just changing your
0: life all the time. 100%. 100%. And what worked for me in summer doesn't work for me in fall. It, it yeah. doesn't. Like the sun goes down earlier. My body wants to go out when there's daylight. So I change my work day to fit that. So I will work between like, you know, 7 and 12 PM. And then between 12 and two, I'll go for a walk, go outside. And then I'll do a couple of hours of work. My body is different as I change as well. And things do change. And I think, again, it's companies expect things to stay the same 365 days a year. Nothing stays the same 365 days a year. The seasons don't stay the same. People won't stay the same either. So I think there needs to be that continual conversation. And that starts with really checking in about what do I really need from this right now?
1: Yeah. I feel like the part you just said about nothing staying the same felt like the part in the churches I grew up in where the organ would start to play, where it was like, uh-huh, that's it right there. <laughs> that's the moment. Exactly. Like, I think people want to be in these work environments and be just as happy as they were in the beginning, you know, four or five years in. And- uh, I mean, great, if that if, if that's the case, but also probably things have still changed. And you probably just need to reassess your work times. Like you just said, like, are you better in the morning or in the evening? Yeah, you know, do you want to host a meeting a different way? Do you want to be in a different industry, but do the same thing? Like, I think people are afraid to reassess because people are generally afraid of change. But like you just said, it's inevitable. So either like you can get on board and be a
0: part of your own change, or you can just let the world just knock you over and change for you. Exactly. And I think when you are accepting of things, and when you're open to it, the journey is slightly easier Mm -hmm. to embrace as well. And, and to your point to everything does change. And I think we are told from conditioning from media that, you know, even though change is inevitable, we don't want it, right? We're used to certain things. But little do we know, sometimes we're conscious, we're sometimes not conscious of the fact that everything changes all the time. And it might be little things. But It's change.
1: Thank you so much. This is a important conversation for people to hear at the start of the year when they are more open to reassessing things and are more open to change. So I thank you for sharing
0: all of your great experience with us. Joy, thank you so much for having me and for your insightful questions. I've loved every minute of this podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in this week and
1: for sticking with work stories through the years. Email me, DM me on Instagram. Somehow let me know what types of stories you want to hear. And if you have a story of your own, we want to hear it. Didn't you know we are not hiding anymore? We aren't hiding our heartaches. We aren't gatekeeping our lessons. So come on Work Stories and change someone's life, maybe even your own. Have a great week.